Welcome to the Valley View Friends Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for tuning in. I'm really glad to just get to spend the next couple of minutes with you today. Hopefully you find something here that will help you find life and life to the fullest. At Valley View Friends Church, we like to say that we're learning how to live as God's people by reaching and restoring hearts and homes with Jesus. Well, there's a Peanuts cartoon, you know, Charlie Brown, that goes like this. Charlie Brown is standing at his dog Snoopy's doghouse. Snoopy is, of course, lying on the top of the doghouse, as he's always drawn that way. And Charlie Brown is holding Snoopy's dog bowl, and he announces, I have a surprise for you. In the next square, Charlie says, I have decided that you are going to become a vegetarian. And Snoopy, of course, looks shocked with his uh, ears are standing straight up and he just he cannot even fathom what's going on here. In the third panel, Charlie reveals the truth. I was only kidding. Here's your real supper. In the final panel, we see Snoopy still looking very upset, and his thoughts are coming out in a little bubble over his head. It says, what a rotten joke. My heart is still pounding. Well, dog owners would understand that scene real well. Our dogs love their routines, they love their dog food, and they like to have a good bit of meat from time to time. Changing our dog's routine can really throw them, and I think we can all relate to the idea of how such surprises whether it's vegetarian or nothing wrong with that, but it could be any surprise, can become a bit of a rotten joke if it's brought to us in the wrong way. Well, today our scripture involves a surprise, though not an unexpected one. It's a story of ten young ladies waiting for a wedding procession. Five, Five of them are prepared, they're called wise, and five of them are not prepared, they're called foolish. The five unprepared ladies are caught by surprise. They panic, trying to get everything right at the last second. Ultimately, they miss out on the wedding banquet. The surprise got the better of them, and it didn't have to. They were given plenty of warning, they were given notice, and they knew how weddings worked in their times. And they did not have to be caught unaware and left out. So Jesus tells us a story that's not just about ten ladies waiting for a wedding, but about you and about me. Jesus is asking us to be ready for his return. Jesus is coming back, and when he does, there will be a wedding celebration, a great party, wondrous, something we want to be a part of. But here's the thing. We've got to be ready. And here's the big idea for today. Discipleship, that's how we're ready. Discipleship requires preparation. And that preparation leads to readiness to encounter Christ and anticipation of celebrating his arrival. Let's go ahead and read the text today. It's from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 13. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. 
Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Well, the story might sound kind of harsh. Should those five ladies really be called foolish? Who would expect an olive oil store to be open around midnight? And why wouldn't those five wise ladies share a little bit of their oil? Why weren't the five foolish girls allowed in into the banquet after they purchased their oil? What's going on here? It helps to understand a little bit of customs of Middle Eastern weddings. Even today, some of the customs still stand. After a wedding is announced, the guests are to prepare, especially the ladies-in-waiting. However, the time of the wedding and its banquet is never made public, at least not the very hour. It might be in a day or might be in a few weeks. Often the groom intentionally tries to surprise the wedding party. Even in our current times, it is not uncommon in the smaller villages to find groups waiting for a wedding, uncertain if it'll be today or next week. It's also a marriage custom on the day of the wedding for the groom to leave his parents' house with a few friends, and he would travel to the bride's home, which was her parents' house, and they would have the wedding ceremony at the bride's home, and then there would be a processional back to the groom's home for the wedding banquet. This took time, so the wedding banquet would often happen late at night. Essentially, yeah, the wedding was at the bride's home and the reception at the groom's, with a lot of foot travel in between. Wedding celebrations generally lasted a week, and the bride and the groom were treated like royalty. It was the gladdest week of their lives. And that is the scene that we're dropped into in Jesus' story. It's a wedding celebration, and ten young ladies are waiting for the arrival of the groom for the wedding banquet. They know it's going to be late. A late arrival, late at night, they have their lamps, but five are better prepared than the other five. So let's talk about those five foolish ladies for a few moments. Fools. Ah, what a harsh word fool is. No one likes to be labeled foolish, but five ladies are labeled foolish and five wise. All ten are invited to the party. Remember, the story is really about the kingdom of heaven and describes ten people, all with the opportunity to enjoy eternity. All ten could represent Christians, but five were foolish. What is it that made them foolish? Was it that they fell asleep? All ten of them fell asleep. They all had lamps. They all wanted to go to the party. They all waited the same amount of time. Five of the ladies, they were just not as prepared as the other five. They were not really ready for the wait. They did not anticipate needing extra olive oil. They were foolish. They had not really thought about what was about to happen. They were just along for the ride. They liked the idea of the banquet, but they had not taken it seriously. The word used here for foolishness is one that's about a failure to understand and comprehend. Most often it's used to describe an intellectual or spiritual shortcoming. But, and this is important, this label fool, these foolish girls, it's not final. It's not how these ladies have to stay. It's a charge that is changeable. In other words, if the five foolish girls had realized sooner their need for readiness and the importance of the celebration, they could have fixed the problem. They could have gotten the oil before the groom arrived. They could have changed. It's not a permanent thing. Although at the end of the story, they're not allowed in. 
the outcome would have been much different. I think had they gotten the oil ahead of time, had they changed their ways, they would have gotten into the wedding banquet. And as the story stands, they waited too long and missed the opportunity. The same is true of you and me. We have the opportunity now to prepare, to take seriously the return of Jesus. But there will come a point when it is too late to prepare, and there will be no more second chances. Do not wait for that moment. The difference between the wise and the foolish ladies was preparation. The wise ladies exhibited readiness and understood the celebration that was coming. The foolish ladies did not. So let's dig into these two areas a little deeper of readiness and celebration. Let's begin with ready. The wise ladies were ready and the foolish ones were not. We need to understand a little bit about ancient olive oil lamps to get a better picture of this readiness. The times we live in make it hard to understand this. It's, it's, it's very difficult to. Our lights are usually electric. They're very efficient. They always have power. LED bulbs last a decade or more, but they do go bad eventually. I remember incandescent bulbs. You always had to keep a pack of fresh light bulbs in the closet, usually in our house. It was in the hall closet. Because you never knew when a light bulb would go bad, and then you'd have to go and replace it. You'd have to, I remember having to wait for the light bulbs to cool down so you could touch them to get them out of the lamp. Um, but it, even then, it wasn't really a problem. I also have a little flashlight that I like to use when I'm camping or when we have power go out around, around the house. It's a little metal flashlight. It's a mag light. I used them when I was a Boy Scout, and uh, those ones weren't as good as the one I have now. The old mag lights, they had a little incandescent bulb and a spare one in the handle, and they were bright. And uh, the batteries, I remember at Boy Scouts, they would last all week at summer camp. Sometimes you'd pack an extra set just in case. Now, the LED light I have now from Maglite, it's had the same batteries for years. It's never gone bad. I don't expect it will for a long time. In fact, I expect the batteries to leak before they run out of energy. In these times, we're used to lights that just last and last forever. It's not so with ancient oil lamps. They're made of clay. They're generally small. Often you could hold one in the palm of your hand. Outdoor lamps, they were a little larger. They had a little bit more of a dome to the reservoir. Uh, the lamps, their reservoir was filled with olive oil. and uh, So don't think of the fossil fuel oil. Think of olive oil. And the wicks were often made of twisted rags. And uh, generally, one could fill up the olive oil into the lamp and light it, and it would burn for a whole 15 minutes. Yeah, 15 minutes. That means you got to refill that lamp a lot. Imagine a flashlight that needed new batteries every 15 minutes or a light bulb in your favorite lamp at home that you'd have to change out for a new bulb every 15 minutes. In other words, it took diligent, hard work to keep the lights on in a home in the Middle East in this time in history. This made light precious and it was used very sparingly. And the five foolish girls, they didn't bring any extra oil. Their lamps burned out right away. Perhaps they were excited in their anticipation instead of patient in their anticipation. The wise ladies brought extra oil so they would be ready when they heard the call of the groom's arrival. Jesus ends his parable with this call for any believer. Keep watch! 
Keep watch for the return of Jesus. He's coming back to bring history to an end and to open up eternity to his people. But what does it mean to keep watch? Do we keep watch with worry? Do we keep watch with fear? No, it's with readiness. The wise are prepared for a long wait. They are ready for the arrival of Jesus at any time, even in the middle of the night when the sellers of oil are asleep. To be certain, the wait is long. It's been a delay, if you will. And in the story, their long wait really means that all the ten ladies fall asleep. Some of them, I think, fall asleep with worry, and I think some of them fall asleep with peace. Readiness. The readiness that we are required to have is not a a constant vigilance fueled by worry. I don't want to be left behind. The wise ladies have a readiness that can sleep and rest knowing they are prepared for when the groom is announced. They're ready. And your readiness needs to be the same, not out of fear, not out of worry, but out of preparation. There is the challenge, I think it's important for us to hear, to ask the question, have you stopped waiting? Because it has been 2,000 years since Jesus ascended to heaven. You might have grown accustomed to a world in his absence. You might think you have years and years before you need to be concerned. None of us know the time or day when Christ's arrival will happen, and we don't know when we will stand before him in judgment. We are called to be ready, not because we're afraid, but because we're prepared. So how is it that you can be ready? Well, the first way is very simple and most important of all, and that is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The best way you can be ready is to make a decision today to become a Christian, to follow Jesus. And this requires a few simple steps. First is admitting your need, because all of us are sinners in need of a Savior. We have all fallen short. Secondly, we the second step is this, that we believe that on the cross, Jesus shed his blood and gave his body to pay the price for your sin. And finally, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord. This is an act of confession that puts Jesus in charge of your life. Making him your Lord means that you submit to him. He's in charge now. So, that's the first way we can be ready is to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The second way is to realize that discipleship is a lot of work, and it requires removing and adding. One pastor had a great illustration for this, and so I want to share it with you here. His name was Cody Sandal, and he writes these words. He says, My transition into my 40s came with an obligatory hip surgery. The only way to stop the cycle of pain was to literally carve out some bone. Those parts had to be removed, but recovering my functionality after surgery required adding significant and regular physical therapy exercises. Long after I was released from physical therapy, I still had to do maintenance exercises every day. If I stop my routine, my routine of exercises, pain will return. So too our spiritual life requires the complete removal of some of our painful patterns and the regular addition of patterns that bring us closer to Christ's peace. So, discipleship, yes, does require the removal of some things and the adding of others. And discipleship, thirdly, requires that we take care of business now. Watch out for the if-onlys and the put-off-till-laters. Many of us put off important tasks because we feel like we can fix it later. But Jesus reminds us that we do not always have a later to get to. One morning, a man went out to start a car to go to church. Uh, He went out and found that he had a flat tire. Luckily, he had a spare. 
so he changed a tire quickly and went on his way, and he didn't think to drop off the spare tire to be fixed. I'll get around to it, he thought. A few weeks passed, and he went out uh, to go to work and looked at his car, and lo and behold, there was another flat. Only this time there was no spare. He had to roll it to the nearest station and wait while it was fixed, and then realized, oh man, when something breaks, fix it now. And that's true for us, too. Don't wait till you need it, and then don't have it. And it's the same with our spiritual life. Take care of things now. Have you done all you can to foster healthy relationships? Have you dealt with sin in your life? Is there anything hidden in your life that you intend to deal with later? Stop. Deal with it now. The fourth thing about readiness is just simply, it's very similar. (laughs) Do what you can now. That is, there is just work for us to do as disciples. We need to be vigilant. We got to tend the oil lamp. And discipleship takes regular ongoing work. We just have to do it. John Maxwell says this, If you are proactive, you focus on preparing. If you're reactive, you end up focusing on repairing. Last thing I would talk about is never forget the purpose. And that's the other big idea from this parable. Um... Jesus wants us to be ready, but he also wants us to celebrate. That's the big purpose of the wedding is to celebrate. Jesus begins the story with this phrase, the kingdom of heaven is like. He says the kingdom of heaven is like 10 virgins waiting for a wedding. Heaven is like a wedding. Heaven is like the union between God and his people. Heaven is a wedding celebration. We need to see that and understand that and not forget that. It is the moment of the groom's arrival that the wise and foolish ladies are separated out from one another. It's that moment that they're found out. To us, at least to me maybe, a strange thing happens at the climax of the story. The wise maidens, they fill their lamps with oil. They light the wicks. The foolish maidens ask the wise ones, will you share your oil? And the strange thing happens. The wise ones say no. They refuse. They are unwilling to share. Now, that unwillingness might seem cruel, because we're taught to share, to give out of our plenty, to help those in need. Come on, spare some oil. I'm sure you can. But here's the thing. The reality is, is not having oil means they miss out on the entire wedding feast. And that seems terrible. Why wouldn't those wise ladies share their oil? Help everybody get in. Maybe sharing a little oil would have been kind. But the wise ladies never forgot their purpose. The lamps are not there to light the maidens up. Look at me. That's not what they're there for. The maiden's job was to greet the groom and greet the wedding perception, procession and shine the light on them and light their way. Their job was to celebrate the couple getting married. The foolish maidens were not just unfortunate to not be ready. They didn't understand how important this moment was. They didn't realize that it wasn't about them. It was about the wedding party. They were not ready to honor the wedding or the groom. That is a big problem. You and I are tasked with worshiping Jesus and bringing honor to his name. Never forget that purpose. You are to shine your light to glorify him and him alone. At the end of the day, 
When the groom arrives in the dark of night, there is no time left to be prepared. You've you've just got to be ready for the task of celebrating and honoring Jesus. And the best way you can do that is to prepare right now, starting now. There's a story of a Scottish discus thrower from the 19th century. He lived in the days before professional trainers, and he developed his skills alone in the highlands of his native village. He even made his own discus from the description he read in a book. He didn't know. What he didn't know is that the discus used in competition was made of wood with an outer rim of iron. His was solid metal and weighed three or four more times as much than the official disc. This committed Scotsman marked out his field, the distance of the current record, and trained day and night trying to match it, and finally, he did. He labored under that self-imposed burden for the, of the extra weight. He became very, very good. He reached a point where he could throw that discus, the record distance, maybe even a little farther. He felt he was ready. Well, the Highlander traveled south to England for his first competition, and he arrived at the games. He was handed... Not his disc, but an official wooden discus. And he promptly threw it like a tea saucer. He set a record a distance so far beyond that of his competitors that no one could even touch him. And for many years, he remained the uncontested champion. He was prepared. Perhaps maybe overprepared. He was well prepared and rose to the task. And now is the time for you to train in honoring Christ. And you will be all the better for it, learning how to train and uh, learning how to honor him through hardships right now and heartbreaks right now, because this world's not an easy place. This is the place to train on how to honor Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be your people prepared. Arm us with readiness that hungers for holiness, that waits diligently for you, that honors you at every opportunity. Remind us that our job is to celebrate you, and that whenever anyone looks at us, that we would point to you, Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go with Jesus.